Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. This is episode 14 of the Awesomers.com podcast. You can find show notes and details at awesomers.com slash 14. That's awesomers.com slash 14. Now, today is a talk back, or as actually we like to call it, an Awesomers back talk session, where the audience gets a chance to ask questions. Uh, of course, the live audience was generated from folks who follow us on Facebook and if you go to awesomers.com, you'll be able to find places to connect with us about for future live episodes. And today we talked about things from the beginner to the advanced levels, uh, everything from kind of the ongoing state of the union, so to speak, uh, talking about the things that are happening with e-commerce at large and Amazon Marketplace specifically. And some of the e-commerce guys asked me, why do you talk about the Amazon e-commerce marketplace so much? And I, I remind them that well, it's, it's about 50% of the e-commerce business right now. And whether we like that or dislike that is an irrelevant uh, part of the puzzle. It just is what it is. And so it's relevant to talk about what's happening in half of the market. Although I do think it's a much bigger and broader world than just e-commerce. Uh, that's why we focus on it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy kind of this live Q&A where we go through some of the, the questions that were asked ahead of time, as well as some of those that were thrown out during the live session. And this is your chance to hear an awesomer Back Talk episode, and we hope you enjoy it. Hey everybody, uh, Steve Simonson, welcome back to the Awesomers.com podcast. Today we're going to do a live Q&A session, and uh, I just focus right in on myself there uh, to make sure you can get good audio. Usually I will use the headphones and the mic. But today, I want to just try the, the raw audio and see uh, how much the audio guys yell at me later. So thank you guys for joining uh, live. We do have a, a series of participants in the queue um, already. And then I'm going to try to keep my eye on the waiting room as well. So uh, Nancy just asked a question, which uh, she basically said, hey, what's your take on the state of the, the union, uh, so to speak, on Amazon? And I think that's a, a very good question. And, uh, and we're going to kind of start with general news, and we'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit deeper about what that means for Amazon sellers and e-commerce e in general. So first of all, I'd like to start with general news because I think people get a little, a little whipped up uh, about the news, especially news they can't control. So as one example, you hear a lot about the, the you know, China trade and tariffs here and there, and, and the sky is falling. And and on and on and on. And I just want to tell everybody, take a deep breath. Uh, this happens, you know, on a cyclical basis. There's always been this kind of uh, international trade issues that go on. Maybe now it's a little more vocal because of the political environment or whatever. But my advice, just be patient. Uh, if tariffs impact you, they're going to impact your comp competition for the most part. So there's really not that much to worry about. And long term... All of these things will resolve themselves. It's it, nothing in terms of international trade will just simply disappear, right? Now, there may be some short-term price increases. There may be some pressure around that. But I assure you that China will do everything they can to remain competitive in the world. Uh, other uh, countries are taking full advantage. Uh, earlier today, I believe, in the Facebook group, Amazon Professional Sellers Group, I posted an article that talked about the fact that uh, what I call the, the Asia shell game, right? So there's many China factories that are now opening up 
uh, or already have opened up things in Malaysia and uh, Vietnam and, and, you know, one of the Koreas, uh, although we can't trade with North Korea, they don't always tell you where the, where they're actually producing stuff. And obviously, uh, they also do business with uh, Taiwan or they have uh, many factories in Taiwan, Myanmar, Cambodia. There's many, many things that are going on. And most of the time, those start with the big heavy industrials. So bigger industry wants to have more flexibility with these things because the smallest margin can have an impact. Smaller consumer items haven't moved in mass yet out of uh, China or um, it depends on the product category, but India and Vietnam and other countries are becoming more and more viable for those. So my, my main point is be patient short term. Uh, don't get yourself whipped up into a lather because it doesn't really matter in the, in the big picture long run. Now, if you're selling extruded aluminum or you know, things like that, you're going to have some issues with pricing. That's a commodity. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. So don't forget that that's just part of the process. I want to share with you um, the, the idea that the media is continuing to battle Amazon, and they're putting, they're putting pressure on Amazon. So what does that mean to you? Uh, when the media puts pressure on Amazon, and Amazon thinks that the, the stories are legitimate or in some way could add, maybe impact Amazon's reputation, they take action, and often that action is kind of like flailing action, right? They're just in a panic and like, hey, whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. So you guys probably all remember a couple of years back when the New York Times did the big um, you know, fake review article, uh, October 2016, and that led to Amazon saying no more incentivized reviews, you know, that's just a done. And, you know, here's a whole bunch of new ways about reviews that we're going to be uh, impacting and, and trying to maintain control over this process. Uh, just today, the Wall Street Journal uh, published an article called uh, the title uh, from the great uh, Laura Stevens, who's a, a very good writer, follows Amazon very carefully for the journal. She says, uh, the title, How to Trick Amazon Seller, or How to Trick Amazon to Boost Sales. And she talks about the, the giant click farms, particularly in Bangladesh and, and other areas, that set up you know, banks of cell phones and other devices. So they all have unique IP addresses, and they put them on VPNs uh, to the U.S. They all have unique MAC addresses. That's the um, address of the actual device itself. And then they they just run around and they type in search terms and they click on the links uh, for the products they're paid to boost. And then they go around and add it to wish list and all the other things. And all of this is just to try to uh, manipulate the, the algorithm uh, at Amazon. And so that, what, what does that mean? If that article gets traction, they could continue to, to remove some of the things that are algorithmically known and understood things like, you know, if you, if you have a bunch of people who click on your item and add it to the shopping cart or a bunch of people click on your item and add it to the wish list, uh, all of those types of things, even if they're not true sales, still can, can impact your, your ranking in a positive way. And there's been many blind tests that have confirmed that. So my message on that is Amazon is a very dynamic situation. It always has been. It always will be, a lot like the China trade war. And so just go with the flow and, and remember that if you're too invested in short-term tactics, you're going to have some issues. And Elena points out uh, regarding the reviews that uh, one of her colleagues who sells supplements and face creams lost thousands of reviews in a day, almost 90%, and then follows up with a question, which is, what's, what's the reason? And I will tell you, the reason is highly linked to the media's continued scrutiny and then Amazon's own uh, internal um, I don't know, values of saying we want our reviews to be trustworthy. And I, I know dozens, probably hundreds of people who are having reviews wiped out like crazy. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the episode. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. I have a, a, several more questions. Uh, right now, we're going to take just a quick break, and then we'll be right back after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A hey, giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. 
hey, see, that was very quick, wasn't it? You didn't even have to wait that long. So I want to uh, come back and, and remind you that we're listening to the awesomers.com podcast. You can go subscribe and search for that. It's actually launching on August 1st. So the people on this live call, it hasn't actually launched, but we're going to launch seven episodes on August 1, and then we're going to drop one daily episode on August 8th for the next 180 days. So anybody who is crazy enough to do a daily podcast, uh, man, oh man, that's me, by the way. Uh, I have no idea why I decided to go purely insane, but it's happening. So uh, you may as well get on board with it. So you can go subscribe, you can listen, download, review, whatever you like. Uh, as you're listening to this, it's already been published, and this is probably sometime in the latter part of August or early September that this is going. Uh, hi, Shirley. You're awesome, too. In fact, you're awesomer. So let's dive into a couple of questions that I had. And I, I did see your other question, Elena, asking about uh, Chinese sellers, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Actually, let's just talk about it now. So Elena asks, I wonder how we react to Chinese sellers that kill our profit. Little smiley face. Uh, and I'm sure she's not actually smiling about that. Uh, we're all faced with uh, the idea that, that Chinese sellers can come in and sell against us, right? The guys in the factory, believe me, are very happy to sell against you. They, they don't understand if they sell against you and somehow impact the market, why your orders go down or why you're mad at them. And as I often do, let me just, again, pause to recommend the book, Poorly Made in China. Uh, by the great Paul Midler, and it's, it's a really, really insightful book on how China works. So will Chinese sellers continue to come to the market? Yes. Uh, they're coming into Amazon on a regular basis, and Amazon is actually helping that in, in ways that would, uh, would make some of you know, the other countries' sellers <laughs> sick, frankly. They're making it really, really easy because Amazon wants the factories to sell direct. Honestly, that's they want the lowest prices they can get for their customers, and they think they're doing the best um, job possible uh, in that regard. And so I want to say that it's so easy to you know, get online when you're in China, and it's much harder to get online when you're in the United States or Europe, for example. You know, We have to have certain tax ID numbers and all these other things, but we know Chinese sellers, and, and Shirley makes an important point, they have classes and summits to teach sellers how to sell. They do, in fact, uh, we were invited and one, a couple of my Chinese team members just went to one in Hangzhou, China, which, uh, or it might've been Hangzhou, uh, I can't pronounce it very well, but where there were many, many uh, sellers and vendors being matched up to try to do business together and it was an Amazon hosted event. So uh, there are also non-Amazon events there where they're all about uh, teaching you know, how to sell on Amazon, and many of them teach black hat tactics, including if you get a bad review, ask for them to remove it, you know, and kind of pester them. And then if all of that fails, uh, just hack their account, uh, log in, change the review, they'll never know, and then, you know, log out. That, that's black hat advice that I would never encourage people to follow. So what's the big picture about China? They have very good pricing, obviously, but they have terrible marketing. And that's not going to be solved. And you can't, and by the way, often their, their good pricing comes at the cost of having to ship it from China, right? Because they're skipping customs, they're skipping all that other stuff. So what I would say is you have the advantage when it comes to marketing if you create a brand that is truly unique and a product that is incrementally better than the competition. Uh, it doesn't mean China won't copy that and keep up. So you just have to keep iterating. If you just buy the cheapest, whatever, silicone spatula or garlic press or, you know, barbecue uh, grill cleaner from China and expect to put the cheapest package on it and somehow be brand differentiated and survive in the market, you're making a mistake. I don't think that is a long-term strategy, to be honest with you. If you really want to be successful, build a brand, do proper marketing, which you can always outmarket uh, Chinese factories. They're just not into it the same way. They can out black hat you, but you can out white hat them. And I think white hat will often win in the end. And I know many guys with significant Chinese competition, and they're still staying at the top of the market because of their marketing prowess and their understanding of how to do business, uh, not just on Amazon, but at e-commerce at large to create a true brand. So uh, Elena says some of her Chinese competitions have very good product listings, and they do PPC, which is expensive. and and 
she says it looks like they're in it for the long run on Amazon. Listen, there are some exceptions to the rule. Um, first of all, it's, it's very rare for them to have a good product listing, but if they're smart enough to go find somebody who's a native English speaker, make a, a good product listing, then they're getting some of the marketing. When they do pay-per-click ads, if they're smart enough to find somebody who can help them with um, native you know, English or whatever, you know, German, whatever the marketplace is, keywords, more power to them. That's, that's them getting good at marketing. But they still will never quite understand the way these markets work. Doesn't mean there's not some great exceptions to that rule. Uh, Anchor is a wonderful brand, you know, based in China, and has become a dominant brand even in in uh, other channels outside of Amazon. So it can be done, but it's very very rare. If you find Chinese competitors on specific items that are getting marketing that is as good and as as uh, sophisticated as you can do, you should find other items because that's a, a battle that you won't win long term. Uh, again. FBA, assuming they put in FBA, you guys are equal there. Assuming you put in marketing, you're equal there. And, you know, you can fight the fight. Price, often they will uh, try to have a little lower price. Many factories will do what we call just a break-even price and try to uh, just build volume. That's the, the famous uh, Chinese philosophy. It's just volume, volume, volume. And later they'll, they'll tweak, figure out how to make money. So, again, if you really want to understand China, go read the book Poorly Made in China uh, by Paul Midler. You can uh, learn a lot about China, and it's really about 15 years of my world kind of baked into, uh, you know, one, one book. It's not based on me, by the way. It's just uh, stories that I identify with very clearly. Okay, so another question uh, that was asked online, I believe James asked this. He says he's, he's new to all this, wants some advice, and he's got his own product, which he's launched here on Amazon, but he's... he's Perception is, and what he's heard, is that uh, a lot of traffic is driven by reviews and then advertising. And I, I just want to clarify this for everybody. And we're going to talk more about reviews and the, the great review purge that's going on right now a little bit later. But the, the idea that reviews drive traffic, I don't, I don't think that's accurate. I think reviews drive conversion. So the, the more product reviews something has on Amazon, that gives the, the customers the warm fuzzy, and obviously the higher those average reviews are. And Amazon now doesn't even use an average. They use machine learning to make their own score. So in the old days, it was like if you had 100 reviews and you know 90 were five stars and, and 10 were one stars, you could just do the math on what your star rating would be. Today, they don't do it based on pure math. They do a machine learning, and they weight the different reviews based on conditions that we don't know and can only speculate about. Things like the quality of the reviewer, the quality of the review itself, uh, how often that reviewer reviews, all kinds of little things that we can, again, speculate about, but we don't know. So reviews are not going to drive traffic. You know, what the question, logical question is, what does drive traffic? Um, traffic is driven by your natural ranking or, you know, your, which is also part of the search algorithm. So technically, it's possible on Amazon to kind of go into a category and a subcategory and use their, their browse tree, as they call it, and find a product. But in my experience, very few people, very few indeed, use that browse tree as, as their navigation. They search, right? They go to Amazon and search. So that means to get traffic, you need to have visibility in search. That search is called the A9 algorithm. And I know some of you guys are advanced, uh, but the, the person asking the question just launched, so we're sharing this with them. Once you have, uh, to get ranking in the A9 algorithm, you need to drive basically a series of things on Amazon that I alluded to earlier that the Wall Street Journal was just complaining about. How many people are, are searching it, you know, getting impressions on that listing? How many people are adding it to a card or a wish list or other types of behaviors that they, they say are engaging behaviors at Amazon? When the, the, the most important way, we believe, is that people buy the product, right? So once your conversion rate goes up, Amazon starts to predict how much revenue they're going to make by showing your product compared to another product. So I want that to just sink in a little bit. The A9 algorithm is not just sorting on relevancy, although that's becoming a very, very important key. And maybe I'll talk about relevancy a little more in detail here in a moment. But it's not just how relevant the search term is. It's how relevant the, each of the items are that, that are matching the search query 
And then it's scored based on how much money Amazon thinks it's going to make by listing you in various positions. They, they do all of that math kind of live, and it's a very, very powerful system. So if you're not making sales, it's difficult for Amazon to give you any sort of ranking. And that's why you know these uh, types of giveaway programs have always existed to try to drive your bestseller rank, known as BSR, higher and higher. Uh, for we do have a very insider uh, resource that we used to do um, ranking on different channels, Amazon, uh, eBay, and Walmart, and, and others potentially as well, Jet, and so forth. If anybody's interested in learning more about those, uh, they can go to awesomers.com slash contacts and just make an inquiry and maybe we can make an introduction for you uh, to, to do giveaways that actually can can help you bring brand awareness. Uh, the side effect is uh, there's sometimes some positive ranking. So you can check that out. So it's not reviews that drive traffic, it's reviews that drive conversions. Uh, it's not, uh, thank you by the way, Melissa, for putting in that link. Everybody in the chat window can go to that link and just click on there. Um, and so it's not just about reviews, that helps conversion. Traffic is driven by the algorithm and how visible you are. Your mission should always be to be on page one and ideally the number one spot on page one, that's going to give you, for the most traffic keywords, that will give you a lot of sales. But that's all natural organic traffic and over time that's gonna go away. One final word on relevancy, I know I'm ranting here just a little bit, but you know, a year ago, maybe even six months ago, Amazon did not score relevancy the same way as it scores it today. Today, relevancy is far, far more important. So a year, two, three years ago, it was very easy to just kind of put lots of keywords in the back of your listing and in your listing title and in your, your bullet points and so forth. And ultimately, that worked pretty well to be relevant or to be uh, found on lots of keywords. Today, the way the relevancy works is, you know, if you're putting too many keywords back there, you can dilute your relevancy on your primary keywords. So what that means, let's see if I can come up with an example here on the fly. If you're trying to, to rank for silicone spatula and you just put in silicone without spatula, you make it a, then you may end up start ranking for just straight silicone things. You know, there's other things made of silicone, baking mats and so on and so forth. Uh, and so you want to be very careful about your usage of really important keywords. And that's something that has changed and evolved over time. And we'll probably talk about a little tool that we can share with you to help you uh, score that stuff uh, right after one of the uh, upcoming questions. So uh, another question says, uh, is there a best way to get into the buy box as quickly as possible? So that I know it's a newbie question. We're going to get some more advanced stuff here in a minute. But to get to the buy box when you first launch, you got to get sales. So even if you're the only seller in your own private brand, when you launch a product, you often do not have the buy box based on Amazon's own rationale. And I could, again, speculate as to what that is, but it doesn't matter. It's common. My advice, get some sales. And I know it's easier said than done, but you, you have to just get sales to happen on that. Transactions are what will earn you the buy box. And the ultimate things is, you know, you have to make some sales, your price has to be considered competitive by Amazon, and that it will compare dynamically and automatically other products it thinks are similar to yours. And, and if it thinks that you're not competitive, even though it's your own brand, it'll, it might take away the buy box from you. If you raise your price too fast, it might take away the buy box from you. And if you're not in, in FBA, you will often not get the buy box. Amazon's trying to drive uh, people to use the FBA warehouses. So, that's how you get the buy box. Uh, that's from Rifey. I don't know how to pronounce that name, so apologies. And I don't have names for every all the questions, but uh, I will give. Uh, oh, <laughs> Melissa corrected the. Uh, it's osmers.com/contact. So I may have misspoke myself. So uh, apologies there. If you're going to go and uh, ask for some of these resources, just go to osmers.com/contact, and we'll try to help you out with those. Uh, new question. Um, from Michael A, he says um, he's got a couple products he's trying to sell, and he's curious whether or not they should be set up as children under the same parent or just set up as separate items. And so I, I've heard every variation of this argument over time. Uh, if the products really are similar, uh, for example, color variations, size variations, 
uh, or multi-packs, in my view, you know, three pack, a 10 pack, whatever. I think those are all fine to use child listings. Uh, child listings can be very effective to get you, um, you know, different opportunities when it comes to the search, especially if you change the, the underlying keywords and, and titles and so forth enough to, to rank for different keywords. So that can be a nice benefit. Also, the way reviews work, at least in most categories, and this is, this is subject to change. It started, we've started to see it change in some of the categories, but in most of the categories, uh, reviews will aggregate to the parent. So uh, when, they, when, when you have multiple children, let's just say you have three children items, three child items, they have 100 reviews each. When, when you load that, any of those items, any of those ACEs on Amazon, they all show 300 reviews and then whatever the appropriate uh, star rating is. The, the purpose of that or the benefit is, of that is that by having these children items, you can look like you have more reviews uh, in total. Another benefit that we've used over history is that if we had one item that started getting negative reviews and pulling our, our ranking down, we could just take that child, disconnect it from the parent, and those reviews would be deleted, but also the negative reviews would no longer be uh, impacted as well. So that is uh, another part about you know parent and child uh, relationships. It is possible, and Amazon is now starting to uh, regulate these a little bit more, that they're going to scrutinize these listings, and if they're really not appropriate to be variations, they're going to uh, eliminate that option or otherwise make it inaccessible. Uh, one of the things that the Wall Street Journal article, uh, How Sellers Trick Amazon to Boost Sales, they talked about this idea that old ASINs with reviews, like it could be an old boat engine or a boat part or you know whatever, just an anchor from a boat had tons of reviews. But you're launching a new, you know whatever baking mat. If you find that old ASIN with a bunch of nice positive reviews, you can just attach it to that item. And even though the the anchor, whatever that old boat part is, is gone and and discontinued and no longer available, all those reviews still show. And that is um, it's a tricky little technique. And believe me, Amazon's not a fan of it. And the more scrutiny the Wall Street Journal and others put on it, believe me, the, the less it'll be available. So Shirley asks innocently, I'm sure, uh, how do you attach uh, these items? And, and fundamentally, you make a parent item and then you make you know, corresponding children items. So you can make your own parent. It could be you know, just Steve's parent ASIM. And then underneath it, you can make Steve child one, Steve child two, Steve child three. And if you found one of those old things, maybe it's your own old item that has a legitimate purpose, uh, we'll promote White Hat, you just go to Steve's old item four and attach that even though it's a discontinued item because there's a lot of equity in properly relevant corresponding reviews. Uh, and if you don't know how to make parent children, Amazon has uh, upload templates and things like that that show you. Uh, we use software to do it because we're lazy. Um, and uh, Ed asked if there's a tool. Uh, there, there are a number of tools that will do kind of uh, parent-child variations. And I don't have any websites for you right off the bat, but uh, I can, uh, again, in time, we'll probably share some of those with folks. Okay, um, let's see. I had another question. She says she, oh, oh, yes. Uh, Elena says she, used to have a tool, and I think it was volumetric you used to use, but it started to break for the EU countries. And this related to keyword search volume. So for those of you who are diligent and thinking about some of the things I've talked about, I've said, hey, to get into the A9 algorithm, you want to have your listing be relevant. You want to have it be found. You want to list those keywords in your, your backend keywords, your title, and your bullet points. And the question is, how do you know which uh, words are relevant and how do you know how they are um, uh, how much volume they have and so uh, I'm going to share a tool that we use with you I'll put it in the chat here and this is a, a tool that uh, <clears throat> excuse me uh, is called uh, seller tools and that link will get you a little special price by the way uh, and by the way, I'm not the affiliate. Uh, the, I don't do affiliate stuff on Osmers. 
any of the programs I support are for the Empower E-Commerce Cooperative. Uh, that's a nonprofit member-owned cooperative. I don't do any of this stuff myself. Uh, haven't uh, ever done kind of direct affiliate stuff, and I'm not planning on it either. So all of that uh, is to say that the tool will help you track relevancy of a listing, and it'll also help you track actual keyword volumes. So Amazon made a change, I don't know, I'll say three or four weeks ago to their their keyword volume API that allowed people to go get the API. And the guys we use had it fixed within three hours. So, and, and it works across Europe and it works across the US to determine relevancy um, and give you keyword suggestions and to, um, you know, find the keywords that are, the, the traffic, the volume on those keywords that are most relevant. So you can kind of wait where you should put those into your listing. And it even gives you relevancy scores. In fact, one of the other things I like about it is it will give you um, the projected number of giveaways you need to be giving away in that product to become uh, really powerful to get onto page one, for example. So highly relevant. Um, Gary makes a comment. He says, recently heard that reviews are attached directly to child only now, not among the family sharing. Um, so the question is, uh, just to, to restate kind of Jerry's, uh, Gary's point, excuse me, Gary, that there are some categories where your child items now, their, their own reviews that are by ASIN are the only ones showing. But there are other categories where they're still um, rolling up to that parent level or the family reviews, if you will. So some categories, you may have three child ASINs, even though it's under a parent, but when you go to that individual child ASIN, you're only going to see the child count of uh, reviews, whereas there's other categories that, that do not operate that way. And so there, I do still think that uh, the potential to manipulate old SKUs to be part of the equation works. And <laughs> But instead of me sharing black hat techniques, I'm going to stay on the white hat side and just say that uh, people should stay away from that because ultimately all these hacks, review hacks, uh, ranking hacks, all, all these hacks, Amazon will beat out the wrinkles over time. And, uh, and, and so I generally will stay away from that. So let me pull up my questions again. Bear with me just a moment. Actually, while I find my questions, we're going to take another quick break right now. And uh, we'll be right back. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item by item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P A R S I M O N Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, we're back again, everybody. Can you believe how fast that was? Amazing what you can do in editing. So we've shared uh, that really great uh, keyword tool. I think that'll help you out, Elena. And I, I do want to let everybody know that uh, at this moment, as we are live here, uh, end of July, first part of August, if you would like to take part in an Amazon beta test, I have a special opportunity for you. Uh, Amazon has been in the freight business, has purchased a freight uh, provider in, in China, and is now offering kind of freight direct. And they've been testing this for a few years. We were part of the Dragon Boat project uh, three or four years ago in uh, Hong Kong. And that's basically where Amazon said, we'll take your, your containers, we'll take your freight from China to Europe or China to the United States. Over time, they, they did both. And they're continuing to grow that program. This particular beta is um, a very short beta, or very short in terms of availability, only 40 participants, and it's to test the integration of the freight from China to Amazon in the U.S. or wherever it's going. And by the way, it will go you know, anywhere in China, 
to the US or to any Europe or to Japan for that matter. And it's all integrated into your seller central account. All, all of the co controls are integrated. So they'll do less than container load, they'll do full container load and they'll do air. And all of the quotes, all of the transportation, all of that stuff's built into seller central uh, in this beta. And you know, this beta may last uh, you know, two or three months. It may last a year or more. Uh, I've seen betas go all over, but that's something we're just sharing here with uh, Osmers out there. So again, you can go to osmers.com slash contact if you want to be part of that beta and just put in, you know, I want to be part of the Amazon freight beta and then we'll make introductions to the, the folks directly at Amazon for you. So that's something unique that uh, not everybody uh, gets a chance to. Uh, Shirley asked the right question, which is, is the pricing for freight competitive? Uh, answer is, I don't know. I, I personally, they did fine on the Dragon Boat project, but we're, we're very uh, persistent when it comes to uh, shopping for freight. And, uh, and I would just compare it, honestly. I certainly wouldn't, I would not personally accept paying more just to have it integrated in my seller central. That is not worth any premium. So if they can't be competitive, then you wouldn't use them. And if they, uh, if they can be, then it's, it's an interesting opportunity. Uh, again, for those keeping score at home, I think Empowery has uh, some you know, freight connections that can help you. And you're welcome to check those out at Empowery.com. So uh, we'll talk just briefly again about the Amazon, uh, Amazon review purge. So I want to reiterate, we talked about this in a recent uh, live Q&A as well, but the pain continues. We're watching thousands of reviews on individual products. Uh, you know, ultimately, probably you know, millions of reviews are being deleted. But these reviews, which are often proclaimed as 100% organic, are disappearing. Now, it, this kind of, you know, if I take... Amazon, I put the Amazon head on for a minute. It's, it's kind of like going to the prison and going, hey, anybody here innocent? Everybody goes, yeah, I'm innocent, right? So, you know, I, I have to, you know, take it with a grain of salt when everybody tells me their reviews are 100% organic and yet they're being deleted uh, anyway. Now, that said, now I put my seller hat back on and I know they're deleting uh, organic reviews. I know they are getting false positives and I know their algorithms are not working uh, well. And it's based on firsthand you know, stuff I'm seeing in my accounts and uh, very close people in the Catalyst 88 Mastermind. We're watching legitimate, you know, no frills, no gimmicks kind of reviews being deleted on a regular basis. And it's the, the, the source of this issue is coming from three battlefronts that Amazon has opened up. So the first is seller activities. If Amazon thinks even, even that there's a whisper of leave me a positive review, that, that generic of a statement, you can be put on alert. You can be suspended or that, that product can be suspended for uh, some length of time. It can be suspended for reviews or any variation of that. And they can give you a warning that says, hey, uh, if you continue to try to manipulate reviews, we will shut down your account. So Amazon's very, very serious about this. And I don't want anybody to take that for granted. It's happening, it's real, and it's serious. So seller activities need to be very carefully done. Now, it's okay to ask for reviews. You just can't ask for a positive review, right? And I wouldn't even use the word review. I would ask for feedback. And I would not try to, you know, the, in the old days, some of the, the tricks were, hey, I'll send them an email and go, hey, click here if you, you know, had a, a great experience and click here if you have a complaint. And the complaint would take them to, like, your seller feedback, which is really easy to get rid of. And the positive ones would go to, to the ASIN review, right? And Amazon inherently we all knew that was not the right thing to do but amazon's like hey that's not fair and if we see you doing that we're gonna you know take enforcement action so although i i do want them to get rid of all the fake reviews that we still see guys launching typically chinese uh sellers launching and they, the first or second day they have five or six hundred reviews and they're all you can see the time stamps you can see the date stamps they're all brand new and we know how they do it we know how they do it amazon should know how they do it which is to say that they are one of the most common ways that Chinese sellers are doing this is they deploy a network of Chinese college students and they pay between five and $10 per review. And these students, they go buy the product and they leave a review and 
you know, uh, the Chinese sellers think they're the, you know, brilliant for doing this. And that's still sneaking through in many regards. So seller activities is one part of the battle that there's still action to be taken on. And there's probably action that needs to be unwound that they've been a little over aggressive. And I'm happy to report to all of you guys that, that myself and the Catalyst 88 Mastermind, uh, next week we have high-level meetings at uh, Amazon with a bunch of executives that are responsible for these things. And we're going to continue to fight this fight. So seller activities, do the right thing, stay white hat. That's one part of their battle. Another part of the battle is buyer activities. They're starting to, basically, if, if you are a buyer and you've just left nothing but positive reviews, you're a suspect, right? You are a suspect, especially if they're all five-star and especially if they were incentivized or discounted or couponed in some way. And Amazon has taken away, you know, the verification badge. You know, it's unverified when it's uh, getting a certain level of coupon. But I think they're scrutinizing that even more. And I think that their artificial intelligence, the, the machine learning, is now applying, you know, kind of profiles to some of these sellers or buyers. And, and they're, they're getting rid of buyers. They're, they're bouncing buyers out. Um, Nancy, it sounds like we're, uh, I hit a, a button with Nancy. She says she wished they would find those buyers who only have the fives and the ones and, and those who buy in return. So on that front, uh, Nancy, you'd be happy to know uh, Amazon took some big steps this spring on um, rampant returners and just fired the buyers. You can no longer buy on Amazon. And many buyers were outraged by it. So, so they're taking, you know, Battlefront 1 is seller activities. Battlefront 2 is fire activities. And Battlefront 3 is ASIN activity profile versus the category. Now, this is, again, Amazon doesn't ever publish how their algorithms work. They don't publish how they do uh, many of these things. It's, it's very rare to get any kind of data points from them. But our uh, estimation is that the, the ASIN seller activity, if it is above a certain percentage, for example, let's say your um, – item somehow has a 20 or 30% review rate and, a, and the category average for, for your particular category or item or subcategory, we're not sure which, but that average is three or four or 5%, then it'll, it'll A, potentially just remove those reviews and B, it'll put you on uh, an ASIN suspension for reviews, which basically says this item cannot be reviewed uh, at this time. And those will typically last for anywhere from three days to three weeks. It depends on how egregious the algorithm uh, thought the situation was. So those three battlefronts, I want you guys to remain vigilant on. Seller activities, buyer activities, ASIN activities, and just know that Amazon is very, very serious about it. So I'm gonna rewind here and we're gonna, I'm not gonna get to all the questions, but I'm gonna go to the, our live questions, uh, which are, are more important. Uh, and so, the general question, and since it's sent to me privately, I'm not going to name you, but you know who you are. It says, now or in the future, can you address sources of capital if you're heavy in the Q4 uh, but need cash to, to drive that large amount of inventory? So let's set the stage for this problem. In order to have your uh, materials and so forth arrive for the Christmas season, you need to have orders in, you know, May, June, July, right? So they can be produced August, September, October. The August stuff should already be shipping, right? Once it's produced and arriving in the United States, roughly about September, which means, you know, you're still ahead of the curve, but you're not that far ahead. And you go, well, if it's, if you do it August 1, it arrives, let's just say September 10th, right? It's not uncommon to have a 40 or 50 day uh, lead time, especially if you're going to the East Coast. Now you're in the middle of September, and, you know, Halloween kind of is really where the, the, the uh, season kicks off, if you will, which is October 31st. But the problem is just because it arrives doesn't mean it's instantly available at Amazon, right? There's the, the queues get longer. Some Amazon warehouses get full and they have to ship around to other places. So that can add on another three or four weeks uh, to you. So have, you, you really have to front load that, that Q4 inventory to make sure that it's in place and settled before those warehouse closures or before the warehouse delays start happening. And, the, you know, in terms of, you know, finding capital, there's all kinds of ways you can do capital. Uh, if you're running out of your own cash, there uh, are, you know, ways online to do, you know, crowdfunding. You can, you can actually do a crowdfunding campaign to sell the product as well, which we'll talk about in future episodes. There are, there's so-called hard money that is really expensive. There's Amazon lending. Uh, that's a by invitation only, but, 
if your account's been around at least a year and you have reasonable throughput, you'll probably get some Amazon lending offers. And there are other things we're um, seeing out in the marketplace. And I know that the Empower e-commerce cooperative is working on trying to get like inventory financing. And if you, if you want to get involved with inventory financing, uh, go to empowery.com slash contact and let them know you're interested in getting involved in that project because we need more people to model that. And inventory financing is interesting because all the inventory that you have in Amazon right now is just like a dead asset, right? It's no money. But with inventory financing, you can, pull, you can draw against that, that asset that is there. So as an example, if you have 100,000 in inventory, uh, let's use a little higher numbers because it doesn't make sense economically to do them too small. Let's say you have 300,000 of inventory in Amazon. Wouldn't it be nice if you could draw 50, 100, maybe even up to $150,000 at a reasonable interest rate against that inventory? That's the kind of things that inventory financing can bring to you. And of course, we'll follow this up in other episodes. Thank you for the suggestion, Nancy. Getting terms from your from your Chinese suppliers. This is possible. I've talked about this a number of times, but I want to reiterate it for the, anybody who hasn't heard. Chinese factories can give you terms. They back them by the Chinese uh, national insurance company. It's a government-owned company called Sinosure. And if you've been importing, or I should say differently, if you've been exporting from China for more than a year under your company name, you probably already have a credit profile and probably can already get you know, 20, 30, 50, $100,000 worth of credit from Sinosure. And your objective is to use that as a negotiating leverage with your Chinese supplier. So we can talk more about that on a China episode, but it's definitely uh, something that is, is doable. It's not easy. It takes a little getting used to. And, you know, financing deals often will have covenants that you have to be cognizant of. And that's, that adds a little brain power to it. But over time, everybody, everybody is limited by cash flow. doesn't matter how big your company is. Tesla, their number one concern and what Warren Buffett says will give them the most problem is having enough cash flow. So it happens to everybody at every level, particularly when you're successful, by the way. Um, okay, so we have a question uh, from Shirley. She says, talking about sponsored products. They budget around 20 to 30 a day. By 10 a.m., the budget's gone, but with little or no sales. So we're upside down on sales versus ad spend. So we pause it, and then the sales drop off to little or nothing. <laughs> so, so that's that's a little con contradictory, surely, because if you're getting those sales and then sales drop off, then there's some cause and effect that's not happening there. And I do understand if you're saying that you don't see the attribution, but remember that Amazon sponsored products takes sometimes upwards of two to three days to attribute the sale to a click. So it's better for you to go back and look at the attribution over time. Um, you know, let's say a week in, in the rear view mirror. But I would, I would highly recommend uh, scrutinizing your budget. And I would also say it's possible. She says the monthly report shows you're upside down. It's definitely possible to spend more than it's worth. But you should consider lowering your cost per click because obviously the cost per acquisition numbers are not working. Cost per acquisition, by the way, CPA is a, a term that I use, is similar to what Amazon calls ACOS. Right, it's a percentage. Uh, a cost is a percentage of your ad spend to revenue. Now, when you're upside down, that means literally you could be spending, you know, for every dollar you spend in advertising. No, excuse me. For every dollar you get in revenue, you're spending a dollar ten in advertising. That's not super profitable. It's not at all profitable on that pure metric. But there's a lot of us that believe that by getting good ranking and getting sponsored product sales, that's how you hold some of your organic rank. And I do want to say, I don't think I'm reaching any confidentiality agreements here, but I want to say that in the old days, we believed that Amazon was uh, tying sponsored products directly into uh, the A9 algorithm in terms of the search results and the relevancy and so forth. And we, we don't believe that's happening anymore. So, you know, my number one advice in that is if you're burning through your budget too quick and you feel like you're upside down, is lower your cost per click, keep your budget the same, and then see if it lasts longer. Um, and I would, yeah, I would still, uh, so Shirley shared some of her numbers talking about, about 225 is what they suggest. Uh, although they pay less, that's a, a common thing, you pay less in the auction, 
And she says still not number one in the, the sponsored products. So obviously that's a very competitive item that you're, you're uh, dealing with. And I would be very, so I would do a full review of the, the keywords you're using and make sure you're really on uh, relevant keywords. I would make sure that you have exact match types and phrase match types and, and then also do some automatic stuff to find new keywords over time. So there's a whole, um, so it sounds like she's already got some of that going, but I'll, I'll bring out in, in a future Osmers episode, uh, one of my favorite resources you used to run the Amazon sponsored products, uh, uh, department at Amazon. And we will uh, talk to him about some of his best practices, but really, you know, having the most relevant keywords, making sure that you do the match types, doing long tail keywords, and then, uh, lowering your bids and, and, uh, and kind of, uh, just take in the data and decide what's working. Okay, so uh, let's see here. I'm looking through questions. Bear with me just a moment. All right, I do have one more question I'm going to uh, address, which I think is an important one. And, and luckily, there's a resource that we can share with you to uh, help with this. So uh, I, I don't have the name on this one, my apologies, but they said, hey, I'm looking to outsource customer service and other work uh, to the Philippines. Uh, but they say one of the applicants is, you know, uh, already worked for another Amazon seller or working for another Amazon seller. And they're concerned about the IP addresses. They're concerned about, you know, will this create any conflict? So the first question is, there's, there used to be so much chatter about you know, you better get a VPN and you better never sign on to more than one account uh, with the same IP address or the same device or whatever. And I, I just have to say, I never bought into any of it. I've never done any of it. And we have owned, legitimately owned and operated multiple Amazon accounts over time. Even today, we still have uh, two or three active uh, Amazon accounts. And we don't bother changing our, our Mac addresses or our computers or IP addresses. We just log into each account individually and we don't, we don't sweat it. So I don't think there's any accessibility issues. Uh, but I do see issues when, when people are trying to find help and finding consistent help in a, in a sustainable and friendly way and also affordable for that matter. And I'll tell you, uh, one of the resources that I've really appreciated and uh, enjoyed is uh, specializes in helping you recruit and find uh, you know, individual resources across a broad range of seller activities. Everything from customer service to support to, you know, whatever, really whatever you need. And I'm pasting in the, the link. This will get you a little special deal. Um, and, and Nate and the gang over there, uh, they really are quite good at it. Uh, so you can find this in the show notes. Or you can find it in the chat. So if you're listening live, you see it in the chat. If you're listening later to the recording, you can find it in the show notes area. But the reality is, to be able to go in and find resources in marketing, service, tech, graphics, accounting, it's really a pain in the keister. And you can go and find, hey, I just need somebody for, for 10 hours a week. And I just need this much help on this particular topic. And they'll find you an expert. And if they find you somebody you don't like, you don't have to use them. It costs you nothing. And that is a really exceptional value proposition and something that I highly encourage people to consider. So. Uh, for those listening live, I'm going to give you the last chance to kind of enter some uh, some questions, and then I'm going to uh, get to maybe just the last little bit of business here, and then we're going to close it up. So anybody live, now's your, your final chance. Uh, thank you, Nancy. She says very helpful. Appreciate that. Um, so I, I do want to talk about the, this idea that hijackers, uh, you know, are happening, and they will always happen. Elena, you're very welcome. Uh, hijackers will continue to happen. If you don't have your brand registered and you don't have gating and you don't have even the enhanced level of gating that now exists. So it starts with getting a trademark, getting brand registered, and then starting gating. Uh, Amazon really wants you to be in their exclusives program, which I think is uh, too much money. They want you to pay 5% to keep anybody else off your listing. And it's, it's almost like a, a mob. Uh, I'll break your legs if you don't you know, pay the protection money. So I dislike that as a, as a philosophy. They have their own reasons and they're fine. I could, I could debate on either side of the equation, I'm sure. But I do want to let you know about um, the fact that, that hijackers often are a result of the giveaways. And actually, Shirley just uh, you know, talked about this, you know, that when you sell a bunch of stuff really cheap on, on these um, 
I'm not going to name their names at this moment, but on any of the services that are relying on 99% coupons, I, I do want you to know that you're opening yourself up for hijackers. Now, in those agreements with some of the big brands, the most respectable brands who will help conduct some of those giveaways and awareness promotions, in their agreements, it says that people are not allowed to resell the stuff. It says it in their, their terms of service, but they do it anyway. And there is no legitimate way to get rid of them. They have the, the right to resell that product. They bought it in their own way and they can sell it in their own way. And there's nothing that you can do about it. So you really have to ask yourself, why would you want to do that? And whereas, you know, we, we, I won't use generally those types of giveaways at this stage. I, I won't say I won't do it ever, but we much prefer a different methodology. And that's the one we said, if you went to osmers.com slash contact and just, you know, put in the, the message that you want to be introduced to kind of a, a, a branding and awareness campaign, branding and ranking campaign, then we can, we can help you with a resource that in, in my case, we had an item we were relaunching. It went from position 280 to position number three in seven days with 125 giveaways. Zero were resold and hijacked me, and it worked like a charm. This is something that continues to work over and over, and I want to reiterate to people out there, not everybody gets access to this thing. Uh, it, it's kind of on a case-by-case -case basis, but it's something that, that is actually working and that we, we appreciate. So uh, anyway, I want to remind people that somebody has a first right to sell that, or it's called first use right or something under copyright law, and basically says, not only can they sell your item, they can advertise it as the brand that they purchased. I've seen sellers who are outraged that somebody's using their, their brand name or their logo or whatever, but they're able to use all of that stuff under the fair use policy. I think that's what it's called uh, under the copyright law. So, you know, be careful about how you do that. Try to minimize it, obviously, where you can and, um, you know, avoid the problem. So, uh, Gary, definitely uh, appreciate your, uh, your comments. Uh, for everybody, thank you very much. I, I do want to just share with you in closing, <clears throat> excuse me, the awesomers.com podcast will go live on August 1st, and you can find it on uh, the Apple platform and the, the Google Play and probably a couple others as well. I, I, I don't actually know where it's going, to be honest with you. My job is just to do these, and then the team takes care of it. So thanks for their hard work. But it'll go live on August 1st, and we're going to launch with, I believe, seven episodes on the first day. And then we're going to drop a brand new one every day from August 8th onwards for at least 180 total episodes. So my commitment is for six months, I'll do a podcast every day. They'll change formats. Sometimes we're interviewing awesomers. Sometimes we're interviewing authorities. Sometimes I'm just ranting about my own stuff. I call those insights. You can put quote marks around it if you wish. Uh, and other times we're doing book reviews and other times we're doing Q&A and so forth. So it should be interesting. I hope it's interesting to you. Uh, and, and it would be helpful to me if you went and, you know, subscribed and shared and listened and, and uh, reviewed and so on and so forth. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time, especially all of you guys joining live. And we'll do these again and we can talk about other things that are important to you each and every time. So thanks again for joining everybody. Empower. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do. Because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Ah, a lovely, lovely time fielding questions from brilliant entrepreneurs and awesomers from around the world. We had participation from Sweden and Japan and Australia and the United States, and I, I can't even name where everybody was from. But really, it's great to see people online and get your chance to, to get into the, the you know session, the live Q&A, or as we like to call it, an awesomer backtalk session. Now, some of these in the future, we may just do one-on-ones where we do a video interview or audio interview or whatever with uh, somebody who's got questions, or we may even open up the audio mic on some of the guest participants so they can participate. In this case, we use chat, and so you're going to want to be able to go to the awesomers.com slash 14 show notes page to see some of the notes and some of the links that we've shared uh, with the audience during live chat and, and vice versa. But we hope that you got something out of today's episode. Again, we covered some of the things that are really advanced and some of the things that are really basic. But 
all of it is worth hearing and all of it's worth kind of reinforcing what's important as we see it in today's marketplace. We hope you enjoyed every last minute. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again. Awesomers.com.